0: Even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.
1: Before we begin, if you like what you hear on Mile High Report Radio podcast, don't forget to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and go ahead and click subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening
0: to Mile High Report Radio with your hosts, Adam Malnati and Ian St. Clair. Get involved with the Denver Broncos conversation at milehighreport.com. And now, it's time to get to work.
2: Adam, is this finally the game the Broncos snapped this ridiculous losing streak to the Kansas City Chiefs? And for those who don't know, it's at eight games now. They, so the Broncos won seven straight against the Chiefs and have now proceeded to lose eight straight. And it started with that interception-riddled game that Peyton Manning had. They haven't won since that Monday night game, that miracle week two win in 2015. That's the last time the Broncos beat the Chiefs. Is this finally the game? The Broncos end this damn streak.
1: Uh, you know what? I'm I'm not sure if it is or it isn't. I, I will say it. That's eight games is four full seasons. Uh, I know that you know it's, we're halfway through a season or whatever. But eight games is four full seasons of losing to a division rival. Not not just any division rival. Not not losing to the Chargers that nobody cares about. This is the this is the Kansas City Chiefs. This is a team that is is important. To winning the division, if you want to win the division, you got to beat the Chiefs, and they haven't been able to get it done. and And you're right; it is a question that is on everybody's mind. It is something that it looms large over this team. and And I sort of, I, I, I go back to, um, I, I go back to the the Broncos, and I, I just watched this really interesting uh, little 13 minute clip. It was on. Uh, Mike Shanahan coming to the Denver Broncos after having coached with the Raiders and how much he hated the Raiders. And when he got to Denver, the Broncos were on a a similar losing streak to the the Raiders, and it was one of those things where – they had to learn how to beat the Ra- like they finally had to believe they could beat the raiders and shanahan talked about how it almost seemed like the broncos were intimidated by the raiders and this is this is the 90s this i'm not talking about the 70s i'm not talking about the 80s i'm talking i'm talking about the 90s this is before they went on those those historic runs to super bowls and things like that and that's that's kind of what this feels like to me this feels like a, a period where for whatever reason this team And I don't think that they're intimidated by the chiefs, but I do think that there is, is something about playing the chiefs for the Denver Broncos as they are currently constituted that there's, I don't want to call it a disbelief, but, but there's just not, they don't, they don't believe they can beat the chiefs for whatever reason. There's, there's something that gets in the way. There's, there's a a blockage that, that sort of prevents them from winning. And they should have beat the Chiefs on a Case Keenum to Demarius Thomas touchdown pass that would have ended that game uh, last season at the beginning of the year, and that should have broken the streak, but but here we are. And, and I think that's a good point, is that there, there is some sort of mental disconnect here where you have a team that just can't seem to get it right against another team. And that's the streak that they're on. The Chiefs experienced it for seven games in a row against the Broncos. They finally broke that streak, and now they're on a roll. I would like to think that that is a streak that's going to end soon. But again, this, this feels more mental than anything else.
2: It's like one of those hitting streaks in baseball where you just you start to grip it a little bit tighter. That's what she said.
1: Be by and- this much.
2: It it, it 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 it's like you said, it gets in your head. and you just have to just take a deep breath and go out and do it. And I think one thing that is different this time around is Drew Locke. I think Drew Locke is going to change that because he brings that aura, that aura of confidence. He brings that that swag that has been lacking on this team for three years. And I think it is going to be very interesting to see how he handles he being Drew Locke, this situation on Sunday, because this is his hometown team. This is the team that he grew up rooting for as a Missouri quarterback. His dad played for Andy Reid for a season at the University of Missouri this is his team. He's going to have, Nikki Jabavila from The Athletic tweeted it, he's going to have oh, close to 50 people at this game on Sunday at Arrowhead. It's going to be very interesting to see how he handles this in his second road game and in his third career start.
1: Well, and the, the fabled Arrowhead Stadium in December, most teams don't go into Arrowhead in Kansas City in December and win games. They're a very difficult team to play In Dece- for whatever reason. The month of December, Kansas City is very good. Not so good in January, very good in December. So it, it's- I like the dig. Yeah, and it's, like- it's that
2: case for the Broncos, too. They've historically not played well in Arrowhead in December. But if you go back to 1994, they have as many playoff wins at Arrowhead Stadium as the Kansas City Chiefs.
1: I mean, it's a it's a fun stat, right? It definitely is. And I, I think for Drew Locke, the, the, the question is going to be, at what point do those rookie jitters start to take over? Because there is going to be, and I not to be a Debbie Downer here, but there is going to be a bit of a, a backslide. He is going to come down to earth. And this seems like the type of game where you're going to see that, where you're going to see him regress a little bit. Not that he's going to be uh, worse off as a quarterback not that he this would be something that would define his career moving forward, but this is the type of game that I could see a bit of a letdown after two uh pretty solid games from him uh, against teams, one that was not a contender, one that absolutely was a contender in the Texans. you know there are some there are some similarities there as well. I, I just think that, too many expectations going into this game are—that's just going to be a recipe for disaster for Broncos country in general. Because yes, I, I think that you should be excited. Yes, I think that you should have, uh, you know, sort of that that glint in your eye that the future is bright. And we've we've had that conversation. But you also have to remember, this is a team that is is still trying to find the identity that's going to carry them forward into the future. Whereas the, the Kansas City Chiefs are playing for playoff position and are playing at home. They've got a very loud crowd. And, and I think we noticed that, that noise was something that bothered Locke uh, when they played the Texans. He struggled with that a little bit. So it, 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 this, to me, is, is the type of game where you probably want to temper your expectations a little bit. You want to you wanna cool. go into it remembering that Drew Locke is a rookie who's only started two games and only played in two games in his entire NFL career. I'm going to push back on that a little bit because Patrick Mahomes
2: has never crashed back to earth. And I'm not saying that Drew Locke is Patrick Mahomes, but the way that Drew Locke has played, he showed that not just fans should have this expectation, but the team itself should have this expectation. And the fact that he's doing it against the team that he grew up rooting for there is going to be a level of motivation. That's the word I was looking for. I got you. To, I'm here for you. To come out and and play even better than he has before. And I think the one thing that hasn't been talked about enough is Drew Locke was taken in the second round. Throughout the talk of the entire time leading up to the draft, it was talked that the Broncos were going to take him at 10, that he was going to be a first-round pick and he falls all the way out of the first round. I'm not saying that he's Aaron Rodgers, but think of what that has done to Aaron Rodgers when he dropped all the way to the to the basically the end of the first round of Green Bay and how much motivation that has given him over the course of his career. And I think that ties into it as well for Drew Log. So I get that there's this it's almost like this expectation that he's going to crash back down or he's going to regress. And I'm, I'm saying, what if he doesn't, what if he doesn't regress? What if he doesn't take a step back? What if he continues to do this? And we talked about this before we started recording at what point do you say he has it because of all the stats of quarterbacks who have had Strong two first games with high quarterback rating. And we you can listen to our podcast after the game on Sunday against the Texans talking about his effectiveness on third down and in the red zone because those are the two situations that define a quarterback. It's not about quarterback rating. It's about where he's doing it. At one point, do you accept and think he has it?
1: You know what? That's a that's a, I think that's a great question. I I do think that everybody's going to have a, a slightly different answer to that question. Everybody's going to see something differently and and take that as now he now I think he has it. Like I would tell you, I think he has it. I I've already made that decision. Does that mean I think he's going to be a successful quarterback in the NFL? Not necessarily. There are a lot of guys out there that have it, but then don't that doesn't translate to success and and I, I guess when you ask the question does he have it? I think it goes beyond just that like attitude or that swagger or that you know the way that he sort of presents himself to the media and, and you can sort of see that I don't want to call it arrogance. I, I guess I might call it a little bit of cockiness, it's confidence that he has in himself. So I think he does have it to some extent. If you're talking about does he have when do we get to to say okay, he's got it he is, he, he's the future. Uh, I don't think you can really make that judgment even... You might not even be able to make that judgment this season. We're, we're talking about uh, five games where Drew Locke is going to have an opportunity to, to make his mark in the league, uh, put his stamp on this Broncos team, and, and make a statement about what about what his position can be as far as the quarterback of the future or not. I think you, you leave this season with a better idea of what Drew Locke can be but I don't think you leave this season really knowing everything that you have because you haven't seen more than the five games is is a short stretch right you want to see a little bit longer you I think 8 to 10 games is really a better uh, a better number and so for me does he have it yeah I think he does just just from the eye test and we talk about the eye test all the time we use stats every now and then but but you and I are eye test guys we're guys that you know, we look at a player, we see how they they react on the field, we look for them to uh, perform in certain situations, and and we look for the attitude that they have that they bring to the field with them. And and he passes all of those tests, right? All of those eye tests he has passed with flying colors. Now it's a matter of it's longevity. And I, I think that you bring up Aaron Rodgers, it's a really good comparison as far as the drop in the draft but it's not a great comparison in the way that their careers began because Aaron Rodgers had to sit for a a lot longer than Drew Locke has had to sit. And Aaron Rodgers didn't face the same type of adversity at the beginning. I would actually argue that this is maybe a a better, um, I guess a better sort of showing that Drew Locke has had because he's been forced into a situation. And so that's a good thing. I really like that. Not that Aaron Rodgers, who is a, a future Hall of Famer and maybe one of the greatest to, to ever do it, uh, is, is someone who we should be comparing Drew Locke to. But just that idea of Drew Drew Locke didn't get the luxury of, of sitting an entire season or two behind a, a great quarterback. He sort of got thrust into a position because uh, a mediocre quarterback got injured and it, he was sort of somewhat next man up if you ignore the Brandon Allen games. So... When like when do you know he has it? I, I guess it sort of hits you in the face, right? It'll and this would be the game. Here's here's the other way to look at it. This game against the Chiefs, if he goes out and and he plays as well as he did against the Texans, against the Kansas City Chiefs at Arrowhead, even in a loss, I think you can walk away from this and and say the kid's got it. Whatever it is, the kid's got it. Even in a loss, I think you could say that if he performs the same way that he did against the Texans. One thing that stands out to me is very
2: rarely does a quarterback not have it and then get it. You can tell usually right away if a quarterback is going to be able to come out and and be able to show something, show that they have it. And that goes to the eye test. And when I say it, I mean, to go back to the Joe Flacco thing, elite. One of the best quarterbacks in football who can be a franchise quarterback. When I say, when I does he have it? Is he it? That In my mind, that's what I'm talking about, is a franchise quarterback. And with young quarterbacks, if you don't show it relatively quickly, it usually doesn't pan out. So there's enough there to say, yeah, he has it. And I get the cautious optimism, and I'm with you. If he comes out and he plays like he did against the Texans, against the Chiefs, Katie, bar the door, because they they will have it. So I, it, will be, it, it will be fun to see how he handles the situation and how the coaches handle the situation. And I don't think Rich Scangarello and T.C. McCartney and Vic Fangio and his coaching staff have gotten enough credit for how they've handled this situation because we were amongst them wanting him to get out onto the practice field and practice as soon as Joe Flacco was hurt. But they've handled this incredibly well getting him prepared, getting him into the situation where he is, he's in the situation to have the success, to know the offense. And I think while there's this talk out there, of, while there's more tape out there on him now, it goes both ways. Because now T.C. McCartney and Rich Scangarello can throw him more and say, go out and do this. This goes back to what I said leading up to the Texans game. Give him more leash. Give him more leash again. Open it up a little bit more and see what happens because at this point he's
1: done nothing to tell you that he can't. Well, I think that's a really good point you make. He really hasn't done anything in his first two games that would indicate that he's not capable. In fact, I would tell you that everything I have seen from him in his first two games as a Bronco tell me that he's perfectly capable of being a franchise quarterback. I I, I think that's sort of The the discussion right now is, can he be a a franchise quarterback in the NFL? Is that what you see when you see him on the field and you see the way that he performs? Absolutely, he can be a franchise quarterback. I I have no doubt in my mind that he has the skill set to be a franchise quarterback. I, I would also argue that he has the mentality that you need to be a franchise quarterback. He seems like the type of guy who forgets his mistakes in a way that He's not going to repeat them, but he's not going to let them bother him, and is is able to enjoy the good things that happen, but not overly enjoy them, right? Not get too hyped up over them, and so yeah, I, I think Drew Locke is is the is the guy who could be could be right uh, the the future as far as the Broncos franchise is is concerned because he's shown that. I, I think you asked a really good question though, uh, as we sit here and we talk about him you can hear, like you said, that cautious optimism in our voices. And you asked another really good question. When are we allowed to get excited, right? When are we as Broncos fans allowed to get excited about Drew Locke and, and the potential that he has? Because there has been uh, a sort of a movement from some to temper that excitement, right? We, we after, after the Texans game, I think we were both a little bit uh, fired up. I, I would argue that i I was probably not putting sentences together as well as I usually do, not that I do a great job of it all the time. And we were a little bit jaws on the floor, kind of, because of how well the Broncos played in that game and how unexpected that was, especially from Drew Locke and, and then the way that the defense played. I and mean, it was it was a, a perfect game almost. So we were really excited, but then you kind of, you know, you, you get done with that. It's a post-game recap. And, and everybody in Broncos country is excited. But then that excitement sort of tempers. And there was sort of a push from guys like like Andrew Mason. We love Mace, but he sort of had a tweet that was kind of, uh, I don't want to call it, you know, throwing water on the fire. But it was more just a, a reminder that, hey, let's slow down a little bit. When do we get to stop pumping the brakes? When do we get to hit the gas on that excitement? I think that was a really good question. I don't have an answer for it. I, I mean, I think I have an answer, but I don't know that I have a great answer for it. I think it's a great question for me right now be excited
2: because i think you have a quarterback who has just he's come in in a situation that as you said was incredibly difficult never taken a snap in the nfl in a regular season game hadn't practiced since august when he got hurt and he comes in and he does this that's special You can be excited about that. I think you can take the governor off of this excitement on Sunday if he does it again. At that point, the governor's off, and you can push it all the
1: way to the floor of the car and not have to worry about burning out the engine. No, I mean, you might hit a wall, but it would still be pretty exciting. I I think you're right. I think the other thing that we have to remember that as fans, right, we're, we're fans, uh, we have uh, been sort of longing for this a little bit. We've been been sort of spending the last three seasons, the last four seasons, really hoping that the Broncos would find the next guy, find that quarterback. And if you want to get excited and jump up and down and, and proclaim him as the as the future, and not just the future, but uh, a future Hall of Famer, and he's going to be one of the greatest in Broncos, do that. I, I say have fun with it if you really want to. Uh, because that's your prerogative as a fan. Looking at it objectively, I think you're right. I think this game here is the indicator. This is the game where uh, if he comes out and does uh, even even marginally as well as he's done in his first two games as a quarterback. And and again, I would argue even if in a loss, if he comes out and plays well, you you as a fan can go ahead and and say, "Okay, I think we're good here. I think I think we've found what we're looking for." That doesn't preclude anything that happens in the future as far as as 2020 right 2020 is its own entity but going into 2020 it would be nice to be able to say drew lock is the guy for 2020 and we'll see what happens moving forward from there i think they may have already gotten there at least as a franchise and if you're there as a fan be there that's fantastic Uh, I, i think i'm i might be right along there with you
2: i am on that path of he is the quarterback for 2020 that, that is off the books at this point in terms of the draft and free agency. So that opens up everything for them. And that's another reason to get excited about it is because now they can start adding pieces around Drew Locke, adding it on defense, adding it on offense. And we can get into this a little bit later, but what has me worried is how well Drew Locke has played like great quarterbacks tend to do, i.e. Peyton Manning, they make the offensive line look better than it probably really is. My biggest fear is that John Elway is going to think, oh, hey, maybe Garrett Bulls isn't that bad, and we can, we can bring him back for his fourth year. That's my biggest fear. Instead of giving a franchise left tackle to your potential quarterback of the future, you're going to stick around with a guy who – we don't need to get into that. I don't want to be a
1: downer on this. <laughs> I, I like how you sort of, you sort of, you sort of, you're like, no, 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 we're not, we're not going to talk about that. I, th- I think you're right though. Let's not talk about that until we have to talk about that. I, I still think that that the Broncos have seen all they need to see from Garrett Bowles, and he's not going to be a Bronco uh, by the end of the season. So, uh, I hope that doesn't change, and and that's probably where we should leave it. Uh, the other, what would be, what would be interesting to do,
2: is. Maybe we could have somebody on from the Kansas City Chiefs and ask them, at what point did you realize Patrick Mahomes had it? Because I don't think it took him the entire season last year to realize that Patrick Mahomes had it. It'd be interesting to to, to ask someone who is a Chiefs fan, a legitimate Chiefs fan, to when did you know that that, that Patrick Mahomes was the guy? At what point did it hit you in the forehead that the Chiefs have their quarterback after waiting 40 years to get it when it was Lynn Dawson the last time the Chiefs had a quarterback?
1: I think that's a a great idea. I think it would be a a great segment. We should probably try and set something like that up because I definitely think that that's where Broncos country is right now is trying to figure out when do you know. And and when when does it hit you? And when did it hit other you know, you could you could go to Green Bay, when did it hit you that Aaron Rodgers was the truth? When you know, go to Dallas, when did it hit you that Dak Prescott it was his time? Maybe it was when uh Tony Romo was standing there on Monday Night Football and he was looking at the scoreboard and he said, It's his time. And then Tony Romo went into the booth with CBS. Uh, you know Thankfully old, and yeah. moved
2: Bill Sims to the studio. And
1: and, and Tony Romo is fantastic in that job as well. I, I would be curious to to ask old Broncos fans who uh, experienced you know that 1983 season uh and and John Elway when did you know John Elway was it when did you know he was he was the guy those those, those kinds of of quarterbacks when did you know that he was the truth you know the Colts fans with Peyton Manning would be another group to ask as well you know there's there's a lot of quarterbacks out there that it would be neat to ask the fan bases when did you know he was the guy because that is something that is an important part to to figure out and I, I think it's a great question um
2: let's keep the drew block train going here I'm gonna
1: get another one I'm gonna,
2: I'm gonna throw you something that we didn't talk about oh I love being surprised Les Shapiro threw out a comparison on Sunday after the game and I want to see what you think about it and Nick Kendall who's with Mile High Huddle and uh is known as Dr. Cyanide 26 in the mile high report community that drew Locke's play reminds them of another gunslinger who has kind of a similar attitude, a a similar carefree fun, confident swag about him. Brett Favre.
1: He's too tall for that. No, I'm just kidding. Um, yeah, you know, I get it. I get those comparisons. That actually makes a lot of sense to me. Brett Favre is, is the type of or was the type of quarterback that uh, he could kind of make things work in a in a situation where the pocket collapses, he scrambles, throwing from all angles. Uh, he was also the type of quarterback that would turn the ball over just because he couldn't let a play go. Uh, but that attitude of just happy to be on the field – I go back to that quote from the post game after the Texans that drew lock gave. And, and I'm not going to quote it directly. I'll just summarize it here it was, it was about we're, we're having fun. We're playing a game. We should have fun out here. Uh, that, that is what Brett Favre played like. I'm playing a game. We're having fun. I'm going to have a good time. I, I like that. And, and I'm fine with that. I think it's a, I think it's a, a, a very good comparison. I think that it will take a little while for me to feel like Drew Locke is on the you know has the same abilities that Brett Favre probably had. But you know, we'll we'll see where that goes. I like the comparison though. I wouldn't hate having Drew Locke perform as well as Brett Favre for the next 10 seasons.
2: I like the comparison in terms of the way they play and the attitude. I think quarterback comparisons are always dicey because they're, they're individuals. I I would just prefer that drew lock is drew lock. And I, I mean, for so long we wanted to find the next John Elway and then here comes Peyton Manning. And instead of finding the next Peyton Manning, I'd rather just have drew lock. If drew lock is the guy and I think he is, then so be it. And I were neither of us, neither of us were really young enough for, for toy story. But I love the meme that has started that Peyton Manning is Woody and Drew Locke is Buzz Lightyear.
1: Yeah, that was I did I did enjoy that. That was pretty good uh, and, and, and it I mean he jumped in on the, on the Buzz Lightyear thing and, and Peyton is definitely Woody. You've heard him talk you you know you know that southern drawl. so uh, that works for me. I, yeah, I, I, I think that what you get there and that the nice thing about that comparison is Buzz Lightyear is great. And he's Buzz Lightyear. Woody is great, and he's Woody. There, there's there's no similarities there, but they're both great. And and your point about Drew Locke not having to be the next insert Hall of Fame quarterback's name here, he can just be the next Drew Locke because that's what you want. That that I think is maybe the most important thing to say about him. I don't want Drew Locke to be anybody else. I want Drew Locke to be Drew Locke because if he's Drew Locke then that means the Broncos have picked the right quarterback. If he's not, if he's Drew Locke, then that means the Broncos are still searching for another quarterback, and I guess they're going to go shake some more of those proverbial trees. Remember that analogy. At least for now, we can end that talk,
2: and there's no more quarterback controversy. They're not going to have to shake any trees. They're not going to have to go looking under rocks. They're not going to have to go diving into trenches Looking in the sewer, I think those days, or at least for 2020, we can end all of that talk.
1: Yes, I think we can, and I, and I'm I am just fine with that. Uh, is there any other aspect of the game we should talk about? I feel like there are other players and, and other phases of the game. We probably should hit on a few things with with the the you know division rival Chiefs coming up, other than just Drew Locke.
2: I think it'll be. The key for me on defense is to play the way they did against Deshaun Watson and the Houston Texans because Deshaun Watson and Patrick Mahomes are similar in the way they play, in their quarterback style, how athletic they are, how they can get out of the pocket and keep plays alive. They have very strong arms. I think the big difference between the Chiefs and the Texans, however, is the Chiefs have a tight end. Travis Kelsey is one of those guys who, like Tony Gonzalez, can be a difference maker for the Chiefs if they utilize him correctly. So that's going to be one of the keys to me is what do the Broncos try to do to limit the big plays? Because that's that's the key with the Chiefs, limiting big plays, either from Tyreek Hill or Travis Kelsey or whoever else that Patrick Mahomes – throws little dump passes too when they bolt for 80 yards because they're faster than everybody else. I, I'm curious what Vic Fangio and Ed Donatel do.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And and hopefully uh, we'll see Kareem Jackson, you know, lay some wood in this game like he did against the Texans and and lay some guys out, uh, namely Tyreek Hill and, and Travis Kelsey.
2: Yeah, it would definitely be nice to see Tyreek Hill hit like he hits his kid.
1: Yeah, uh, that that would be I would be fine with that. Uh, I, I think you're right though. I think defensively, this is going to be a difficult task for the Denver Broncos. The, the Kansas City Chiefs are an explosive offense and and can score quickly and will score quickly. I I, I don't think there's any uh, you know there there should be no thought in your mind that the the Broncos are going to shut the Chiefs out. And this might turn into a bit of a shootout. That that is maybe the most concerning part of this game coming up is that the Broncos, if they want to win this game, are going to have to run with the chiefs. They're going to have to score points like the chiefs score points because as much as I would, I'm curious to see what Ed Donatel and Vic Fangio drop as far as the defense goes, you're only going to hold this team down, this chiefs team down for so long. Eventually they're going to put points on the board and you're going to have to match that. So, uh, you know, defensively, they're going to have to slow the Chiefs down, but then offensively, they're going to have to continue to put points on the board as well. And then that, that sort of goes to my key to the game on offense is scoring in the third quarter, right? Scoring in the second half. And, and we've seen this pretty much all season for uh, the Denver Broncos, scoring points in the first half and disappearing in the second half. And, and it's cost them some games, uh, namely the, that Minnesota game. But they went up big on the Chargers and had to hold them off. They went up big on the Texans, and I'm not going to say they had to hold them off. They had the game pretty well in hand. But it definitely felt like the the Texans had the opportunity to get themselves back into that game and score some points and, and possibly get to a point where they could tie or take the lead. And the only reason that it didn't happen is because the Broncos had amassed such a large uh, lead against the Texans. So... They really do need to find a way, and it's been like this all season, they need to find a way to come out of the locker room in the second half and continue to put points on the board. I don't know if it's conservative play calling or if it's some sort of letdown, but whatever it is, that needs to change. And I've said this in the past, and I'll say it again, to me that third quarter is incredibly important. It sets the tone for the second half. That's when you come out and and you – remind the team that you're playing against that you're there to kick their butt. And they haven't really done that. And so my key to this game is that they come out in the third quarter and actually put some points on the board. For me,
2: my key to the game is execution. When you come out rolling like the Broncos did in Houston, that sets the team up for success. It's amped up, it's running around, it's having fun, it's making plays. But what allows for all that to happen is the execution. Our Jeff Essery mentioned this last week. It doesn't matter what the game plan is or the plays that are called if the players don't make it happen. If the Broncos want to end this ridiculous streak to Kansas City that we talked about at the top of the show, they have to execute. If Denver does that, the Drew train will pull into Arrowhead and leave victorious. And a, a, a second key to the game, a bullet point to that, is to come out fast. Come out fast like the Broncos did against the Texans. Come out and Punch Kansas City in the mouth, and get a quick get a quick score. Get the defense fired up. Get Von Miller and Kareem Jackson and the Dino Alexander Johnson amped up and fired up, and see what happens. Because when you come out quick, you can get a team to get back on its heels. And the one thing that I liked about the Texans game, and hopefully they can do it again on Sunday, is. Win the coin toss, defer to the second half. And do a double dip as they did against the Texans. Get a touchdown at the end of the first half and then open up the second half with one. The difference is you keep rolling at that point.
1: Yeah, don't don't stop the train, right? The train's on the tracks, let it roll. And and I think that that's, that's a, a hugely important aspect to the game. Uh, all right, uh, let, let's keep rolling with our, our, you know, sort of our... Pre-game stuff. Who's your player to watch? Offense, defense. Which one do you want to start with? For me, it, it's not
2: just it's not a player. It's an aspect of the game. It's the rushing attack for the Broncos because that's going to be the recipe for success against the Chiefs' defense. Because Steve Spagnolo and the Chiefs' defense has gotten progressively better over the course of the season against the pass. It is it's a tough team to throw to throw the ball against. So the way you do that is to get the run. Have Tyron Matthew and their and the safeties and the linebackers having to come into the box to stop Philip Lindsay and Royce Freeman. And then that sets up the deep plays to Cortland Sutton and Tim Patrick or Noah Fant over the middle. So run the football because teams can run the football against this team. Think about the Titans. Think about the Colts. You can run the ball against this defense. So to me, my player to watch is the rushing offense of the Broncos because if the Broncos are able to rush the ball, that's going to be what sets up this whole offense against this Chiefs defense.
1: Yeah, I think that's great. And and my player to watch sort of is a complement to that, and, and it is Cortland Sutton. And and you could throw Noah Fant and, and Tim Patrick in there if you want to, but Cortland Sutton primarily, can he put his mark on this game? Can he give Drew Locke somebody to – Throw the football to down the field in against a team that really is good at preventing wide receivers and deep threats from really taking advantage of them, and so to me is 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 Cortland Sutton capable of helping Drew Lock take over the game? You know, giving him that target that he can rely on. And I, I think we've seen that he is, but he's going to be a, an incredibly important aspect to Drew Lock's success in this game. And, and and moving forward, I think for hopefully a long time in their careers, but especially this game, like you said, the running the running attack is going to pull the safeties in. It's going to pull the linebackers in. But Cortland Sutton's still going to have to step up, I think, uh, and 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 do some things that are incredible that we've uh, come to enjoy watching him do uh, from from time to time with some great catches and things like that as well. Uh, defense, I'm, not, I'm gonna you know, double dip. I'm going to throw out something to, to
2: tell fans to keep an eye on. Okay. Rich Scangarello put forth a hell of a game plan and called a hell of a game on Sunday against the Texans. I think he's starting to get into his groove. And I think a large part of that is Drew Log. I wouldn't be surprised to see if this offense comes out and takes some deep shots early to Cortland Sutton. Test this defense because you have Drew Locke with that arm, and we both said the most impressive throw that Drew Locke has made over the first two games was that third down pass on the sideline to Tim Patrick in double coverage. That is... I mean, he dropped it in the bucket.
1: Boop, just right in the bucket.
2: So I I wouldn't be surprised to see Rich Scangarello call some, some plays along the sideline to Cortland Sutton to test the defense and let Drew Locke Get into the groove of the game and and try to make a deep a deep pass. I remember uh, the, in 2014 against the Chiefs, Peyton Manning hit Emmanuel Sanders deep on one of the first plays of the game to set up what would be that game against the Chiefs. I wouldn't I wouldn't rule it out. I think Rich gangerello is starting to get into his groove, and he's I, I think he's going to put forth another great game plan for this Broncos offense. I, I so. Hope so. To transition to defense, I'm I'm gonna go with Alexander Johnson and Kareem Jackson because I think those two guys are gonna play a key role in trying to to limit the damage of Tyree Kill and Travis Kelsey because that really is the key for this defense. Is to it, you have to tackle to limit the big plays, and the way to do that is to tackle, and both of those guys can lay wood on people, and hopefully they're able to do it to Tyree kill and to create and to Travis Kelsey, because if you can limit the big plays and you can limit the damage, that's how you beat this team.
1: Yeah, I agree. And I, uh, you know, I'm going to go with a, a position group rather than one position, but the defensive line, I, I think that when you're playing Patrick Mahomes, one of the things that's difficult to do is, is figure out a way to contain him. And, uh, the the big thing that you want to do with him is really keep him uh, fr- from extending plays, getting outside the pocket, uh, and moving around. Can they get a push up the middle? Can they force him to uh, have to make quick decisions when maybe he doesn't want to and, and just make him uncomfortable? Patrick Mahomes has been very comfortable in his NFL career as a starter. He has been very good at escaping, very good at making things happen, and and really, to to beat Patrick Mahomes... You've got to find a way to get him uh, uncomfortable. Get him to a point where he is 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 feeling disrupted on every play. And and the defensive line and that 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 push in the front with guys like Shelby Harris and, and Adam Gotsis and you know it all depends on who's who they're throwing out there. DeMarcus Walker maybe. Can those guys?
2: Mike
1: that's right, Mike Purcell. Can those guys impact the game in a way that's going to disrupt what Patrick Mahomes wants to do? which in turn makes life easier for everybody in the defensive backfield uh, and, and forces the Chiefs to sort of go dink and dunk and play underneath rather than being able to take any big shots and, and take those big, uh, chances at big plays. So it, it is going to be a difficult task. I don't think this is going to be a, a, a very simple game for the Broncos in any way. I think the interior pass rush,
2: pass rush is huge. Because then if you're able to get that interior pass rush, if, you're, if your edge guys and your defensive ends keep containment and they don't get beyond the quarterback like we talked about with Deshaun Watson and the Texans, that's how you contain him in the pocket. Is You don't get beyond him to open up those creases in between the tackles and the ends for him to run through. So absolutely. And then maybe come up with some, uh, some uh, exotic blitzes which Fangio is able to do, sending a Kareem Jackson or sending Justin Simmons, maybe sending Chris Harris Jr., sending guys and doing things that they haven't shown on tape yet to throw him for a loop because that's what Fangio is able to do. That's where he creates those looks on defense that a young quarterback hasn't seen yet. So I would keep an eye out for that too, but the interior pass rush is huge. As long as the edge guys and the ends keep their containment and they're disciplined and not going beyond Patrick Mahomes.
1: Well said. Well said. You got a prediction for the game?
2: I'm going to go 27 24 Broncos. I think they're going to finally snap this ridiculous lose, losing streak. And I think Drew Locke is going to throw for over 300 yards and. Three touchdowns.
1: Wow, that's an added prediction. I, I enjoyed that. That was fun. I, uh, I, I am going to put on my Debbie Downer hat though. Uh, at this point, I think that uh, I think the Broncos play well, and I think that they they show out in this game. But I think Kansas City's too strong. I think you're in Kansas City in December. I think the noise gets to the Broncos a little bit and to Drew Locke. Uh, I, I think thirty-four thirty Kansas City. I'm going to go with you on that 300 passing yards, uh, and and I'm I'm good with three touchdowns as well. But I, I think he also probably throws a couple interceptions that that lead to some scores for Kansas City that are gonna that are gonna be forced by unfortunately just the fact that you're playing in Kansas City in December. And I think he has a really good game. Other than that, and I, I think the Broncos are going to actually be uh, you're not going to be happy with a loss here but but I th- I think they lose but you still feel pretty good about the direction of the team and where they are going. So, uh yeah, th- 34-30 Kansas City. Not happy to predict it, but that seems to be the most likely scenario at least in my mind. So, all right. Uh we're going to we're going to take a short break and then when we come back, we'll do our uh our whip around the league, uh see what's going on throughout the rest of the NFL. Step into the world of power. Loyalty
0: 18 plus.
1: All right, so we're back. Uh, we're gonna do a quick, quick whip around the league, right? See what's going on here, and we'll start with the AFC West. That's kind of what we have always done, and and um, we'll start with the the fact that the Raiders are gonna lose to the Jaguars. Uh, so that's fun. I don't know who's gonna be the quarterback for the Jags in that game. Cause does anybody know? I think they might just go with a wildcat. Just yeah, just run know, Leonard Fournette. Be yeah. Just get the ball in your playmakers' hands and, and let it happen. I think that's probably the way to go. I, I I don't think it matters. I think the Raiders still lose. Why not? That should be fun. Uh, and then the Chargers play the Vikings, so the Chargers lose to the Vikings.
2: Yeah, because it's going to be a home game for the Vikings, which is weird because the Vikings are going to be outside and it's going to be really nice.
1: Yeah, they won't they won't know what to do with themselves. It'll be they'll they'll probably get sunburned. You know, they won't they'll forget their sunscreen or whatever. I don't know they. They're not used to being outside, so that'll be fun. Uh, yeah, no, I'm not seeing a lot of victories there for the AFC West other than uh, between the Broncos and the Chiefs. Uh, all right, so let's let's get away from the AFC West then because there's not a lot of excitement there. What What are we looking for around the league?
2: I think the only thing that really stands out to me is after playing three games against the likes of the Packers, Ravens, and Saints – Do the 49ers come out and have that natural letdown against a bad Falcons team? Or will they come out and, say, drop a 60-burger on the Dirty Birds?
1: Yeah, I I think that that actually might be the measure of of their success as well. Uh, The 49ers, if they come out and and they put a whooping on the Falcons, they really do make a statement about who controls the NFC at this point. Whereas if they come out and they lose, if they you know if they slip up, if they if they have a bad game, if if the Falcons come out and play great out of nowhere, uh, it sort of brings them back down to the pack and also uh, sort of humanizes them a little bit and, and makes you realize that the NFC for all the great teams that they seem to have this year is really up for grabs. So uh, this is a chance for the 49ers to extend their lead, so to speak. But I'm not sure that you know. And then if they lose. It, it sort of pulls them back down to earth. So that'll be an interesting game to watch. I, I do think they win, but it will be an interesting game to watch. They, um,
2: they have to win that game because with the Rams beating the Seahawks, that that opens it up for the, the 49ers now to, if they went out, they not only win the NFC West, they get the number one seed in the NFC. And if they get the number one seed, you're not going into Santa Clara and beating that football team.
1: No, no, you are not. That's, that's a good football team and, and – they're, they're going to play well throughout the playoffs at home if they get home field advantage for sure. Uh, we start the week, though, with Jets and Ravens. I'm, I only mention them because I have Lamar Jackson going in my fantasy football, and I, I would hope to, that he could put up you know 45 or 50 points. Uh, and this is a game that makes me nervous because they might get out to a, a big enough lead quick enough that he ends up sitting throughout the second half with only like 20 points. So <laughs> that makes me a little nervous, But but I digress.
2: The other game that I'm looking at is Texans-Titans because that's a game that's for the the AFC South. And I I think you're going to have a motivated Tennessee team that has gotten great play from Ryan Tannehill. Which
1: is something you didn't expect to say at all. I did not have that on my bingo card. No, nobody did because why would you have – that's not one you're going to get. Like it just doesn't show up. No, they they have played – Incredibly well since he became the quarterback, uh, they really need to credit the Broncos with taking Marcus Mariota out for them. Like that was very nice of Denver.
2: And I, I, I these teams losing to the Titans. As a Broncos fan, I, I don't know what that feels like. Yeah, because they, they beat the Chiefs and they beat the Raiders.
1: Yeah, must be rough. Must be rough losing losing to the Titans. I don't know what that's like either. Uh, this is a, this is an important game for the Texans though. The Texans looked like they were poised to run away with the AFC South after what they did to the Patriots. And then they just go out and completely, you know, crap all over themselves against the Broncos. And I think the Broncos really did play well in that game. So can they bounce back on the road against a division rival and, and get a win that they absolutely need? Uh, yeah, that's a, that's a pretty important game. That's for sure.
2: And does anyone want to win the
1: NFC East? Doesn't look like it. it yeah. It's like, you know, who the what is it, the the, the skinniest fat guy, right? <laughs> Does it really matter at this point? Because at this point that team would play the Vikings. Yeah, that's over, right? I mean, and you're you're not going anywhere at that point. So really it's 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 like watching uh you know how you go to a wedding and you know, they do the bouquet toss, right? And all of the, the women fight over the bouquet, but then they do the garter toss at a wedding and all the guys like run away from the, the, the garter thing. Because nobody really wants to catch it. That's what the NFC East feels like to me.
2: That that's a great comparison because it's it's bad football. It is bad football because I I think the I think the Cowboys are going to lose to the Rams, and who knows what the Eagles will do against the Redskins. The Redskins have a, a pretty good defense and pretty good special teams, and the Eagles
1: barely beat the Giants, who were horrible. Yeah, it's uh, it's yeah, and then the Giants are playing the Dolphins, and who cares? <laughs> I don't. I mean, there's there's a game that nobody cares about. Um, the other one that we might want to talk about, I don't know if we want to talk about the game. Um, well, the Bears play the Packers. Let's we could talk about that. That's an uh, that's a, a pretty you know traditional matchups. Uh, it's a, it's probably one that a lot of people will watch just because it's Bears Packers. Um, and and if the Bears can win, that would be. Interesting because they don't beat the Packers very often.
2: Especially in Lambeau, which I don't think they'll do. I think the Packers will win rather handily and easily over the Bears. Because the Bears still have Mitch Trubisky as their quarterback? That yes. Has,
1: that hasn't changed?
2: That has not changed. I think it might in this offseason, though.
1: I think you're right. I think it could change. Absolutely. They may want to go a different direction, and I wouldn't be surprised at that at all. Uh, but the other the other one we're going to talk about, and I don't know that it's a game that we're, we we should talk about, but the Patriots definitely deserve a a spot uh, on the show just because of all of the news that is surrounding them. And do we call this uh, to steal from John Oliver a little bit? Is this Spygate two or what we should call Stupid Spygate? Like is it, is that what this is? Well, I, I, I I'm actually going to throw it out there.
2: So we're we're going to touch it. it's a it's a craft production right isn't that what it's called craft productions that that's what makes it even better oh my gosh we're gonna touch it i i think it i think it is stupid spygate because i made the comparison to you this would be akin to richard nixon running for office again and doing the exact same thing with the exact same people even though there's absolutely no need for it
1: yeah I, i mean and it's the that's the thing i don't get you got caught spying on the the Bengals, a team that is trying so hard to draft Joe Burrow that they, they have decided not to win any games except for one, and you, you needed to go and, and record their sideline for a quarter because the Patriots can't just go and beat the Bengals this year? That to me is – there, you know what it says? It says that this franchise that has been a, the dominant franchise in the NFL for the last – you put a number on it because I don't know how many years, 18. Is, is finally recognizing or is starting to see that their run is over the, or, or they're afraid that their run is over. And, and when when you are a, a a player or a coach or a franchise that starts to resort to dirty tricks like this against bad teams, this isn't a good team that they were worried about. This isn't a team that they were going to struggle against. This isn't the Baltimore Ravens that they're recording. This is the Cincinnati Bengals. This tells me that they can see the end is near, right? That they can see that the run is just about over because now they're worried about beating teams that they should just beat without even showing up. Now they're worried about beating teams that don't really register. And so what they are doing is they're showing, at least they're showing me, I don't know if they're showing anybody else this, they're showing me that their relevancy is is on the backside. They are They are waning, they are not waxing.
2: I think it tells me two things. One, if you're doing it against the Bengals, you're doing it against every other team in the National Football League. If you're you're filming the Bengals, you're filming and cheating against every other team that you've played against. And obviously it hasn't worked against the Chiefs, the Ravens. It hasn't worked against those teams, so maybe they want to change how they're doing it. The second thing it tells me is – this team has gotten away with it so for so long, they know they can get away with it. Because this is the exact same thing they did in 2001. This is the exact same thing. And it's the exact same excuse that they came up with back then. Look at what that... that there's an ESPN story that details all of this. It is literally the exact same excuse that it's a craft Productions. It has nothing to do with the Patriots. It is literally... The same freaking defense. And they're going to get away with it. Because Roger Goodell is a nutless bastard. He's afraid to lay punishment on this organization of frauds and cheats. There is no bigger fraud in the history of the National Football League than Bill Belichick.
0: You've been listening to Mile High Report Radio. Get involved in the discussion at milehighreport.com. And as always, go Broncos.